This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And we're back. I'm Arlene Bonham for John Oakley, Dan Moulton, Anthony Fury, and Peter Tabbins. And we're going to keep our talking boots on here. All right, Anthony, let me swing this over to you. We had uh, all good news from the Ontario government. Vic Fideli joining us today. And it was all, it was great. The uh, deficit's really gone down. All the, the companies around the world, everybody knows we're open for business. It is tough, though. Let us, let us face <laughs> It is very, very tough to find efficiencies where you're not going to get pushback here. Well, that's that's too bad because, you know, these guys have been saying, conservatives have been saying for years, we'd like another common sense revolution. Mm -hmm. We want, you know, Ronald Reagan to come back from the grave. This is it. You got the majority government. This is prime time. You got to get out and do it. Healthcare and education, the two largest pockets. You've got the managerial class. You've got con- you've got whatever. I don't. You got to open up the books and find it. It's my understanding uh, that Mr. Fideli has signed all assigned all of the departments a certain percentage of reductions that they need to make. I think it's somewhere between two to six percent, depending on you know just which uh, which department. But he is not going to be committing to uh, when the budget will be balanced. He, he won't even actually commit that the budget will be balanced uh, before the next election, in, unless he's changed his. Tune just like today, but that was when he met with the Sun editorial board, and uh, that's not enough. That's not satisfactory. You guys said you were up for the job of doing this. You got to get it done, and you got to make the tough choices. So I, I'm not sure if he's being cautious because whenever you talk about uh, having to trim, you know, healthcare and education, which you will have to do because they're the biggest departments. There's nobody uh, in the streets. Yeah, yeah, I mean the, the, the Dan's of the world. They're oh, you're, you're you're getting rid of teachers and frontline care, and there's not going to be band aids left in the hospitals, which is you know obviously nonsense. But maybe they're yeah. sheepish about that. I don't know. Uh, or maybe they're trying to caution other people to say, well, we're not going to clean up the books as much as we said we would. Either way, I mean, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it, and I'm not. Uh, I'm certainly not going to be applauding any lackluster okay, job on their part. You're hanging on like mm. a pit bull. Peter, uh, is this government learning? It's one thing to say efficiencies. It's another thing to find them here. Well, it's one th- thing to say efficiencies when what you really mean is cuts. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be pretty good at looking for cuts. I mean, we looked at the the documentation, the, what can I say, the draft bill Christine Elliott referred to, which I think opens the door to large-scale privatization of delivery of healthcare services. And that's really bad news in terms of cost effectiveness. Uh, the attack on the autism community saying that, in fact, the way we're going to deal with the wait list is to give everybody the same amount of money, regardless of the diagnosis, is... An outrage. There's no efficiency in that. That's just spreading misery around all over the place. I was in the legislature when the liberals cut kids off and the parents, the families came out in fury mm-hmm. because they, their children were being put in an impossible situation. Well, it's being done exactly the same. It's just a different way of shuffling the pile of pennies around. That's not efficiency. That's just spin and actually imposing a lot of misery on people. And I think that's what we'll see in health. That's what we'll see in education. And we'll actually see an increase in costs. If they wanted efficiencies, they'd stop borrowing money to reduce hydro bills, something they denounced before the election, something they denounced when the liberals brought it in. But they're continuing that on. They said they have this plan to cut electricity bills. Well, why don't you put it in place and stop borrowing two billion bucks a year? Dan, as we watch this, what's going through the mind of Ontario Liberals here? Well, I think it was interesting today, the uh, the press conference with Ministers Fidelian and, and Bethenthalvi, they were, uh, you know, doing the third quarter finances. Uh, to be clear, like, the, the 
billion dollars that the deficit is lowered is is largely because of increased economic activity uh, and higher revenues to the province, which is a good thing, and and they should take uh, you know a, a victory lap on that. That's fine. Uh, you know, I'll push back on Anthony a little bit because uh, I actually think he'll be surprised to know I, I strongly agree with you on balancing the budget. I think that the balance the budget should be balanced. I think that this government uh, should take an approach to doing that, and I think there are ways to find efficiencies in program delivery in this province uh, that could help to achieve that goal. But we won't get there strictly through quote-unquote efficiencies or cuts, as Peter would describe them. We have to get there as well on the revenue side. I mean, it's good to see economic activity helping to address that today. Uh, but you know, there are, we do have to take a look at how we collect revenues in this province, uh, both on the corporate side and the personal side, and, and make sure that it's fair and it's equitable and that everyone's paying their fair share towards the public services that we've all come to expect and enjoy. Uh, because you're right, Anthony, if in four years' time this government has significantly reduced health care spending, uh, it will be politically co- uh, consequential for them. They will pay for it at the ballot box. And so they have to look at revenues at the same time as they look at ways to better and more efficiently deliver health care in this province. And Arlene, before we do that, I, I would like an audit or a PhD or or something on how we went from Ernie's last budget, which was $62 billion, to to Premier Wynne's last budget, which was about $140 billion, how you doubled the financial size and scope of the Ontario government in about 15 years when we know that all inflation and population and so forth did not also double. So how did that happen? And nobody has been able to answer that question yet. And until you can say that that happened legitimately, you cannot justifiably increase revenues. So you, legitimately. Yeah. So like, you think there's like, still like, be an investigation? Well, how the hell did it get that way? Because it certainly seems like there's massive ballooning of the government beyond the justification of of uh, the of, of the service delivery. Well, significant increases in infrastructure spending is partly what drove that. Significant increases in healthcare spending and that public education funding is what drove that. Uh, there was a, a big increase under the Liberal government in providing better quality public services in this province that people enjoy. How did that become the baseline? One-off infrastructure spending? Well, there was certainly uh, infrastructure spending uh, that was uh, radically underspent in, under the, the Conservative government. And so if you're talking about the increase in the budget between uh, 2003 and 2018, uh, we can mm-hmm. talk, we can go through those budgets and talk about the fact that infrastructure spending uh, dr- dramatically increased over that period of time. Our roads and our bridges uh, and major infrastructure projects were actually funded in this province in a way that they were not before that. Our schools, our hospitals, these are big spending projects. We built new hospitals. We built new schools. As a so province, why then not did, as a party. As why a then did the, un, un, the Ontario Liberal finance ministers show projections for that number to only go up? There's just a, a constant baseline need for the infrastructure pocket to enlarge and enlarge. And like, are you saying there's practically nothing in existence during the Mike Harrison years and we need to just rebuild society? That doesn't make much sense. No, I'm saying that if you're talking about why budgets increase over time, it's because more money was spent on things that people expected. Disproportionately higher. All right. That's the I... problem. And you can't raise revenues if you have a spending problem, and it looks like we have a spending problem. I think we've got like a revenue th- problem. Thank you all. Peter Tabbins, MPP for Toronto Danforth, NDP's energy and climate change critic. Peter, thank you. Thanks, Arlene. Dan Moulton, consultant at Crestview Strategy, a public affairs agency and a former advisor in the McGuinty and Wynn governments. Thank you, Dan. Tough day for you. We appreciate <laughs> Thanks, it. Anthony Fury, Sun Post Media columnist and national comment editor. Thank you, Anthony. They got share, girl. We got justice. I know. They got her. <laughs> thank you for getting that in there. Thank you. Sign of the Times. We'll be talking 
talking about Chair Girl later on in in our next <laughs> hour. I like how quickly she got the name Chair Girl. A chair Girl. That's, <laughs> we all know who she's talking about. It's a most modern kind Crane of a Girl's story. Sister. Crane Girl's sister. It is Crane Girl's sister. All right. Thank you all. We'll be back in just a few moments. I'm Arlene Bonin, and this is Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.